taking an up-close look at nearsightedness. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about eye health with our special guest, Dr. Badwan from Wake Family Eye Care on Access Health Radio. Dr. Forrest, I'm going to just turn it over to you so you can introduce our special guest for today's show. Thanks, Mike. We are really honored to have Dr. Badwan, who is a local doctor of optometry. He's going to discuss some important things to know about eye health. Welcome, Dr. Badwan. So, Dr. Badwan, I really wanted to talk today about a common problem. In fact, it's so common that I suffer from it, and that's called myopia, which is just the the fancy or technical term, if you will, for nearsightedness. It seems like it's a condition that it affects an awful lot of people. Uh, tell us just how common is nearsightedness or myopia? Uh, it's pretty common. Um about 4 to 6% of the U.S. population are estimated to have myopia, with an estimated 36 to 40% of the pediatric population between the ages of 5 and 17. Uh, the growing incidence of nearsightedness, another, th- another term for myopia, is related in children's behavior. Uh, children are more prone to staring at screens indoors instead of spending time outdoors, uh, particularly during the daytime. So while in adults, with life becoming more device-driven, we see the spike in myopia prevalence going on from there. So the more time we spend in front of screens, the more this is becoming an issue. Uh, That's really interesting that you bring that up because I have been suffering from myopia. uh, As far as I remember for for my entire life, I got my first pair of glasses when I was, uh, I think, in fourth or fifth grade. So I just always assumed that this was hereditary, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No. So, you know, there's definitely a hereditary component. You're actually more likely to be nearsighted if your parents are nearsighted or if there's a strong history of it. But there is also the environmental component. So we have to be very careful to not just pigeonhole it into one or the other, because both of them are going to play a big role into what's happening in uh, an adult's eye and in a child's eye. So if a child's parents are both nearsighted, and they're spending a ton of time, whether it's in front of a phone, a tablet, a gaming device, a computer, then we're like, hey, the the likelihood of them being nearsighted is jumping up, you know, dramatically. So so if you've got that predisposition for it, then you're just sort of adding fuel to the fire by uh, keeping a screen in front of your face a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much data now on increased screen time and increased near work, you know, let's not toss out the kids who love reading books and will be under a blanket with a flashlight and not proper (laughs) room lighting. Like the more we're spending there and not giving our eyes that break, the worse our eyes will get. Uh, That's like kind of tried and true. It's like one of those guarantees that you could, you know, put it up there with death and taxes. (laughs) <laughs> exactly right. Well, yeah. now, b- before we go much further, are there ways that you can protect yourself or protect your eyes from myopia? You know, the biggest thing that we can do is early detection, right? Particularly in children. The earliest that we can find out about it, the more we are able to protect. Uh, in adults, we have to continue to stress what we were just discussing, like the importance of time in front of screens. We have to take the breaks. It's just very simple blinking you know not doing the zombie stare where you're trying to keep your eyes open as long as possible Mm -hmm. um taking breaks from the computer and in children we have to decrease screen time as 
much as possible and realistically speaking. And this is something that when we speak with parents, they're like, see, I told you, you can't do it. It's like, well, unfortunately, the world that we're growing up in or the world the kids are growing up in today is a lot different than what we had. And devices are part of that world. That's where some of their homework is. That's where communication with friends are. And particularly now with everything that's gone on in the past two years, the world, we've lost social interaction. It's more virtual. So that's part of the new norm, if you will. I know that term's being used for everything else, but that is part of what's happening now. You've already touched on this a little bit, Dr. Badwin, but could you tell us about, uh, maybe take a deeper dive into what causes myopia or nearsightedness and how can we slow down the progression of it? So myopia, you know, if you want to think of it just from an anatomical perspective, it means that the eye is longer than the quote unquote normal eye. When we worry about it from the healthcare perspective, it's not just about, hey, we need somebody to see clearer. We worry about the long-term ramifications of the eye health. And so if you look at it from a length perspective, and you know we've all played with silly putty, but if you take a ball of silly putty and you stretch, stretch it out, you're gonna have areas of thinning. And so mm-hmm. think of that as the eyeball with the longer eye and you're stretching certain parts, you're going to have areas of thinning, and that's what leads to retinal detachments. Uh, This is what can lead to myopic maculopathy, which is something that we really do worry about from a blindness perspective long-term, but retinal detachment is loss of vision. So we're not just looking at it from, hey, you need to wear glasses to see better. We're worrying about it as, ooh, what can we do to mitigate these factors so that a person's long-term visual health is not affected? Talk to me about some treatments. Uh, What are some of the most common and effective treatments for myopia? So from a treatment perspective, there's, let's, let's call them four that are pretty used. The the main one is orthokeratology. um, And I'll touch on that a little bit deeper. Uh, Atropine drops, dual focus contact lenses, almost like a multifocal soft contact lens that a a child will wear Mm -hmm. and myopia corrective lenses. um, But those are not approved in America yet. So those are things that are, that are on the way. Hope we've been waiting for a couple of years, but the pandemic kind of pushed that from the forefront of coming over here. Yeah. Like a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. So ortho K lenses, they are hard contact lenses that you would sleep in at night and they mold your cornea while you were sleeping. So much like a retainer will hold teeth in place when someone sleeps, these lenses shape the cornea while the child is sleeping. So when they wake up, you take the lenses out, And then the child is actually good to go. They don't need to wear glasses or contact lenses. So you're getting the benefit of giving that child the freedom of not having to wear glasses or contact lenses. So they're not going to break their glasses if they're playing sports. They're not going to lose contacts, you know, if they're doing any kind of activity. But also you're now protecting by slowing down the progression of nearsightedness. Um, Atropine drops. That's newer on the rise in the sense of you know prescribed drops that we're going to be giving them one of the side effects to it is your child's pupils are going to stay dilated a lot of kids don't like Mm. that they don't tolerate the light a lot of light sensitivity particularly in the southern states that's something that you know we we have to be a little more careful of the dual focus contact lenses uh a lens got approved last year by the fda and another one is on its way so these are lenses that they do well And the numbers show from their studies within the FDA, right, that they're doing the job. And it's like the more tools we have, the more options we can give to patients 
the better you know we can preserve the vision of of these kids going forward. Thanks, Dr. Badwin. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. Today, sitting in for Dr. Forrest, we have Dr. Amjad Badwin of Wake Family Eye Care. It's time now for our Access Health Tip of the Week. Did you know that we are supposed to take frequent breaks when working in front of digital devices? The general rule is for every 20 minutes, we should take a 20-second break while viewing something far off in the distance. It's called the 2020 rule. These breaks allow us to give our eyes a chance to relax our focusing system and help reduce eye strain that can lead to the headaches and dry eyes that we have. It is important to get your eyes checked regularly with your optometrist to ensure that your eyes are functioning properly. Thanks, Dr. Badwin. Good advice. We are talking about myopia today, and straight ahead, we're going to continue to find out more about nearsightedness and the epidemic that it is really right now across the world with our special guest today, Dr. Amjad Badwan of Wake Family Eye Care. This is Access Health Radio. This is Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis, and sitting in for Dr. Brian Forrest today is Dr. Amjad Badwan. He is with Wake Family Eye Care. We are talking about myopia today, or maybe better known as nearsightedness. By the way, Dr. Badwan, I just just recently I was watching a TV show from uh, the UK, and they were talking about someone who was short-sighted. And I and I after watching for a minute, I feel I, I figured out. Oh, they're talking about somebody who's nearsighted. They call it short-sighted there, which sounds yeah. like an insult, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today. And apparently, no matter where you are, whether in the U.S. or the U.K., myopia is an epidemic, and it is growing, particularly in the younger generation. Uh, tell us about the younger population and this problem of increased myopia that we're seeing now, Dr. Badwin. So, you know, I, I like that you brought that up about the short-sightedness. So, you know, just to give a, a basic explanation, when we say short-sighted or when we say nearsighted, it means that that individual is sighted at near without help. So it means that it's easier for them to see things up close than it is for them to see things far away. And one of the big things that we need to pay attention to, particularly in this younger population is, are they seeing things properly? And we can't trust a three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old to know, because if we haven't shown them what clear actually is, they're not gonna be able to tell us. So their comparison for clear is what they've seen. So the signs that we wanna watch for is when they're squinting, if they're moving closer to objects, if they're covering up one eye versus the other, it means that one eye is giving them a blurred image and they don't even realize it and they're just blocking it off so that one eye can actually do the work. So it's very important. And this is, you know, I harp on this with parents, with pediatricians, with, you know, people when they ask me stuff of when should I bring my kid in to get their eyes checked? And it's like, you know, as soon as they're doing visual tasks, you want to get them to come in and get checked because these are things that can get missed, and the sooner we catch them, the sooner we're able to start things to change that. I think it's fascinating when I see particularly very young children wearing glasses, and I always wonder, how did, how did they do that? How do you figure out the correct prescription for somebody that's so young? Are, are, are they pretty cooperative in that? You're, how do you go about that? 
So, you know, that's a, it's a good question for kids. You know, we're not going to like a, for a three-year-old, I'm not going to ask them better one or better two, or they're not going to give me that. So <laughs> right. we, we actually using light, and this is something that it, it was fascinating to me, you know, when we were learning it by shining light at a certain distance into somebody's eyes, the way that that light reflects lets us know which direction we need to give a particular lens. So we try to neutralize the eye by using plus and minus lenses, plus lenses for hyperopes, uh, minus lenses for myopes. And when you get to a point where that light no longer changes the direction when you reflect, you know you've hit the actual prescription. That's fascinating. What about someone, they're suffering from myopia, but maybe they don't want to have corrective lenses or they say, I can see fine without them. How do you address that? And, and along with that, could you talk about the pros and cons of, say, glasses versus contact lenses? Yeah. So, you know, we get that a lot. And, you know, the first thing I would say to parents is if if it is prescribed, you want to make sure that you have the children wear the glasses. We need to understand that sometimes a, a child's motivation isn't on the best health perspective for them. It's going to be motivated by, you know, somebody else bullying them, for instance, or a family member saying, hey, you know, you don't look good in these glasses or them not liking the way they feel. So it's it's good to have options of glasses, uh, contact lenses, if they're able to put them in those ortho K lenses, so they don't have to worry about that through there. The, the key is that they have to be corrected if it's there, you know, so if glasses or contacts have been prescribed, it's important that they're worn. I, I like to tell my patients that we often confuse familiarity with clarity. Um, we see things day to day, most of the time, our day to day tasks are the same. So we are very familiar with them. And we think that we see them because we're familiar, but clarity and familiarity are two different things. So it's why when people are, hey, I'm, I'm great around my house, and I hear this a lot, I'm great around my neighborhood or my area, but then when I go and I'm out of town, I'm on vacation, I can't see the road signs. So it's like, no, you can't see the road signs at home either. <laughs> so, you know, it's the same for the kids. When, when it's prescribed, we have to make sure that they wear them because like we've discussed, we're not just talking about clear vision, we're talking about severe vision loss if we're not on top of it. If we don't monitor their eyes, if we're not making sure they're on it, they're overstraining, which then causes their prescription to get worse. And now we're going into the health ramifications that we were discussing earlier. Great point. Straight ahead, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Amjed Badwan of Wake Family Eye Care and our Access Health Trivia of the Week. Is this is Access up. Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Today, we have Dr. Amjad Badwan of Wake Family Eye Care with us. It's time now, Dr. Badwan, for our Access Health Trivia of the Week. You'd be amazed to find out that nearly 75% of all Americans use either glasses or contact lenses. About 64% wear glasses and about 11% wear contacts with or without using glasses as well. This is nearly 178 million Americans that have some type of vision correction. Make sure that if you do wear glasses or contacts that you get your eyes checked annually with your optometrist to make sure your prescription is accurate and providing you the best vision possible. Yep, I've got my contacts in right now, Dr. Badwin, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I could not be pushing these buttons w without them, let me tell you. <laughs> 
I wanted to ask you before we wrap up our time together, could you take a moment to talk about LASIK surgery uh, for myopia? How does that work? Give us your thoughts on that. So there are three basic types of laser corrective surgeries. There's LASIK, there's PRK, and there's a newer one that's called the SMILE. Uh, All are doing the same thing. And with LASIK, which is the most common, we're creating a flap. We're lifting that flap and shaping the corneal tissue from the inside. And when you do it and lay the flap back down, literally the next day you wake up and it's as if you're wearing your glasses or contacts permanently for the rest of your your life, right? Like that's just one of those things. It it corrects your distance vision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it comes to myopia, that's what we're talking about, distance vision. So when we correct it, now you don't have to worry about the glasses and the contact lenses. You know, the one thing we do want to know about it is you want to wait till you're about 21, 22, so that your eyes are stable, not making any big changes. We're not going to do it in the younger population, but our goals are still the same. We're going to try to slow down progression, keep us in that range. So then when we do turn 21 and 22, we can get the surgery if we want it. And that's definitely a discussion that you you would want to have with your optometrist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As we wrap our time up today, and this has been a fascinating topic to me as someone who does suffer from myopia, what's the best piece of advice that you can give someone that does suffer from nearsightedness? You know, I think I'm going to go back to you know, be honest with yourself. If things are blurry, you should be wearing glasses. You should get your eyes checked annually. You should get your children's eyes checked annually to make sure that there's nothing going on. So we got to remember that myopia has reached epidemic levels worldwide, particularly in the pediatric population. New technologies and solutions, they're in the pipeline. That's stuff that's coming. We're just waiting on approval, particularly here in America. So getting those eyes checked, asking those questions when you are with your doctor, hey, what is new? Has anything changed in the myopia world since the last time I was here? Ask those questions because, you know, I feel like for the past couple of years, every year, there is something new to educate and talk to our patients about. And that, you know, education is key in all of this. The more we know about it, the more we can help people out. Thank you so much for for being on the show today. We look forward to having you come back and helping us out with some more shows on eye health this year. I can't wait. Dr. Amjad Badwin of Wake Family Eye Care, thanks so much. Thanks to Marley Drug and Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower even than the big box pharmacies. You can check them out at marleydrug.com. We'd also like to thank We Care Pharmacy of Apex for sponsoring our tip of the week. Uh, you can check them out at wecarepharmacyapex.com. And check out that website, or you can call them at 919-629-6010. And the folks there will also be helping us out with some special shows this year on prescription medications. And we'd also, of course, like to thank Wake Family Eye Care and Dr. Badwan for helping us out with our show. Uh, You can check them out at wakefamilyeyecare.com. Well, that wraps up the show for this week. And as the Bible says in Matthew 6, 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Radio Show and join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.